Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Blindfold Games now has over 80 games that are fully accessible with voiceover on iOS devices. We'll speak with Marty Schultz, founder of Blindfold Games and developer of the apps, about his company and also about his newest project, Objective Ed, which is aimed at making learning more fun for students through high school. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip is Marty Schultz's summary of his achievement. People have said I'm responsible for more blind people wasting time than anybody else in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's our tip of the week. And if any of you are interested in commenting more about that or interacting with other listeners of Eyes on Success you can subscribe to our listener discussion forum. And you can do that by sending an email to eos underscore discuss, followed by the plus sign, followed by the word subscribe at googlegroups.com. And once you join, you'll be sent an email with instructions for how to post to the group so you can share your thoughts about anything you've heard on Eyes on Success with other listeners. So there's another way to have fun. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by... Way Around, revolutionizing how people with vision loss keep track of important information about everyday things with the tap of a smartphone. The simple tag and scan system promotes independence in everyday situations. Learn more at www.wayaround.com. Let's start by meeting Marty and learning about how he started Blindfold Games. This is Marty Schultz. I'm the founder of Blindfold Games, and thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Again. Again, yes. It's been uh, about almost two years since I was uh, on here the last time. Oh, no. It's been almost three. Wow. (laughs) I guess I've been doing this for about five years now. I think I started in 2013. So for those who didn't catch that show or don't know you by name, which I'd be surprised if they didn't, give us a quick summary of, you know, what Blindfold Games is and what you're doing. Okay, so Blindfold Games is an organization that I started uh, back in 2013, where almost accidentally I began producing uh, audio games for the visually impaired community. And it started with uh, the very first game called Blindfold Racer, where I was teaching in an after-school club some fourth, fifth, and sixth graders had to design an app. And we wanted to do something that was really different. So we decided to build a game that doesn't need the screen. And after a little bit of uh, brainstorming, we came up with the idea of a driving game for blind people where you drive with your ears instead of your eyes. And you would use the iPhone or the iPad like a steering wheel. And if you turn too far to the left, the music would get louder in your left ear, too far to the right, louder in your right ear. And you'd aim for noisy prizes like popping popcorn and avoid obstacles like barking dogs. We worked on it for about six months and then tested it a a few months later at the uh, Broward Lighthouse for the Blind in in South Florida. And there, one girl who had been blind since birth came up to me and enjoying herself a lot. And she said, I just can't wait to play with my sighted friends. I am going to so beat their butt. (laughs) So Marty talked extensively about what was 
in the Blindfold Games collection in that earlier episode, number 1603. And If you listen to the rest of this episode, you'll learn more about what's in the current expanded collection. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is all about blindfold games, as well as Marty's newer venture, Objective Ed. So you started kind of small back then with just a few games, but now you have over 80 games in the collection. Can you give us an overview of what some of the games are? Yes. Here we are about four years later with 80 games, and the game categories are things like TV game show games, things like Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune or Family Feud, or board games like Monopoly or Crossword Puzzle or Clue, uh, action games like Flappy Bird or uh, Space Invaders or Pong, sports games like basketball and skee-ball and bowling and air hockey. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Incredible. That's a really impressive list. And so many people are having so much fun with these games. So thank you. I didn't mention the card games, which we have about a dozen, and and casino games, which probably have about half a dozen. So you name it. You think of any game you played when you were a kid or some other game you you played as an adult. Chances are I have an audio game equivalent of that that's designed for rapid audio play. So I assume each of these games comes with audio instructions so that the person who's going to play it with audio only will get instructions in audio as well? I expect all the games to be used in voiceover mode or they will work perfectly well with people who have low vision or or people who are sighted. Um, But every game has a user guide and all the menus are set up the same way. But if they go into the user guide, it's usually about a three or four page guide that tells them all the features of the games and all the gestures. And, And we try to keep the gestures between games similar as much as possible. And each game has something displayed on the screen so that the people with some vision don't think their device is broken. In all games, except for Blindfold Racer, and Blindfold Racer, it simply says on the screen, you'll do better in this game if you close your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think these games have become so popular with blind people? One of the features that why people like Blindfold games so much is that it's designed from the ground up to be played without having to look at the screen. So unlike when you're using voiceover and you have to kind of search around on the screen for the right button to tap and then you have to double tap it and you're swiping up and down. If you're playing a simply accessible game, it's much, much slower when you have to use voiceover. All the games that I build are designed to be for rapid audio play and it's usually a a certain type of gesture, either swipe two fingers up or down or tap a certain number of times to affect any of the actions in the game. So as I recall from our last conversation, you had some pretty good connections with a number of blindness organizations and people giving you advice when you were new at doing this about how to design applications and games for the blind. What is the biggest challenge or trick in making sure that these games work well for people without vision? At this point, I kind of know what's required in, in the games to do a good job, but inevitably I'll get it wrong. The trick really is to make sure that a lot of people who are both low vision as well as completely blind um, play the games and give me full feedback. Because I continue to make assumptions that, well, it should be this way, and then I'll just get, they'll just beat me up and say, no, that's, that's not good enough. 
So you kind of never know from game to game. They're all a little bit special in terms of how a blind person might interact with it, I guess. It's more that I'll assume something is easy to do and then that assumption is completely off. So, you know, where every one of these games I'll play with my eyes closed and I'll listen and I won't use the crutch of looking at the screen. But in every game, I'll make a, a bunch of mistakes. I'm much better at it than I was, say, two, two or three years ago. But without testing and without the feedback of somebody playing a game two or three hours a day during the testing, there's no way that these games could be nearly as good as they are. It's really the testers that make a difference. So before we get on to talk about your new exciting initiative for younger people, I thought maybe we could quickly summarize. There was an issue that came up that I saw on the Apple Viz site, which is a site for people interested in using iOS and Apple and Mac devices who are visually impaired. An issue that came up about Apple objecting to some of your games. Can you quickly just summarize what that issue was and how it got resolved? Sure. Right around the time that iOS 11 came out, Apple wanted to remove a lot of the spam and, and duplicate apps in the App Store. So they had rejected a bunch of upgrades that I did, saying that they were all very similar and similar apps should simply be under one app and simply get its content from the web. And I think they were looking at things like book publishers or magazines or blogs that um, would do three different apps for three different blogs, even though it could really be just one app for, and then you pick the blog from within it. Then I had long discussions with Apple explaining to them that's not the case, that these different games were really different. I think they were comparing things like the horse racing game to a casino game, to a video game, to an, an action game. Once we got past that, they basically said, look, we're not going to approve any more of your games or let you come out with any new apps unless you get this down to about six different apps, one app for each category, such as a sports game category or a casino game category. And I had a real issue with that because not only would it require a lot of the people who purchase the games to have to repurchase something else, it also runs into issues where if you're not that good with assistive technology like the iPhone, you probably wouldn't know to scroll down in the right way to see all the different games that might be available in one big app. Right. And it does seem a bit unreasonable. You walk into a toy store, you see all these unique games. They're all very different. They don't see Monopoly combined with shoots and ladders in one box. Yes, um, but Apple has had the attitude back then of we know what's best for everybody. Right. So how did this get resolved? Well, I kind of put the word out within both the organizations that I've worked with before, like the ACB and the NFD, as well put out on my blog and my Twitter feed. And within about five days or so, there was so much comments back to Apple that they elevated the problem. I talked at length with uh, some of their accessibility people and some of the reviewers, and they understood why this is a different case. And they said, I should try to combine apps when I can if I publish new ones, but with the existing ones can stay. And they understood why I made that decision, and they were basically okay with it. And that, that's enabled me to have a very good relationship with Apple at this point. And I think everybody breathed a sigh of relief from what I saw on the on the websites and the Apple Viz in those days. Great. It was interesting because Apple literally told me, you know, we, we will not let you update any apps. And I was thinking, I have to usually update apps about every other version of iOS. So I haven't had to do it for 12, but I had to do it for 11, and I had to do it for 9, I had to do it for 7, and things like that. So that would have been a major problem because people come to depend on my games to waste time. <laughs> that makes you feel good. People have said I'm responsible for more blind people wasting time than anybody else in the world. 
(laughs) (laughs) So since then, it seems like you've moved on to a bigger, exciting venture that's very different. Can you give a quick overview of what that is, and then we'll talk about the details? And maybe even a more productive use of blind people's time. Yeah. So I was starting to get contacted over the last year by several TVIs, teachers of visually impaired students and O&M specialists, orientation and mobility specialists. And they were telling me that some of the games that are being used by these teachers to help students learn certain skills, such as in the game Blindfold Barnyard, they were using it to teach compass directions, north, south, east and west, as well as clock directions. Uh, the cow is at two o'clock or the horse is at, at seven o'clock. And after speaking with the TVIs about how they were using the games, I started looking into whether there's a real need for doing educational based games. So I guess that's why you got started with your objective ed project. What happened next? I met with people who run some of the lighthouses and some of the other large organizations. And I said, what do you think of a company that would produce games uh, for visually impaired students focusing on anywhere from pre-K up to 12th grade? These games would be tied into the IEP, the Individualized Educational Plan that is created for this student to bring the student to full competence at school and in full independence, and then have these games show the progress of the student stored up in the cloud and let the teachers and the therapists and service providers who are part of this IEP committee, along with the parents, actually see the progress that the student is making in the games, teaching them skills so that the student learns faster. And what kind of feedback have you gotten? When I was out at one of the conferences this summer, a conference of many of the teachers of visually impaired, I spoke to many of them and said, have you heard of blindfold games? If they told me they had, I said, do you use them? And if they said they did, they they gave me two reasons for using them. The first was obviously it's a great reward for the students doing the right thing. The second they said is it lets the student practice whatever skill we were working on when the teacher met with that student on the weekly or every other week basis. And she said, if we didn't use the games, a lot of times when she went back to the student, the student had not practiced those skills and she would end up repeating the lesson. So you've essentially made learning fun for these people and they'll learn. Yes. And they were able to move much more quickly. They made a lot more progress and didn't need paraprofessionals working with the students as long. So there are a lot of benefits to everyone along the line. The student was having fun. The student was learning skills. The teacher was able to move more quickly. So it really helped out. What kind of feedback have you been getting to the concept of making specifically educational games? I did a survey in May of this year to talk to TVIs and O&Ms to say, would something like this be useful? And I expected to maybe get 100 or 150 responses. And I got literally hundreds and hundreds of responses from teachers saying, this is a great idea. They told me what parts of the curriculum they wanted us to focus on next. So with all that information, we went, went out and raised some private financing for this company. And we're often running, starting to create some games. And, and these games will be available on both the iPhone and iPad, as well as a lot of Android devices, and it'll be multi-language. We'll do it first in English, but also add the other major languages that are prevalent in the United States, such as Spanish and you know, probably Chinese and Vietnamese and some other, and French and things like that. 
And this sounds like it's sort of a separate initiative from Blindfold Games under a different umbrella? Yeah, so this new company is called Objective Ed, and its focus is working with school districts and with TVIs and O&Ms in providing these type of educationally-based games. And there's a concept out there called the expanded core curriculum, and these are actually the important parts of curriculum that a visually impaired student needs to master to have independent living skills. It could be something as simple as wayfinding, how to use a cane to how to use assistive technology so they could use Google Maps and things to to know where the bus routes are or any number of other skills that they need. Um, So all these games will be focused on that. And the nice thing is by storing the student's progress up in the cloud, you can really see that the student is making progress in the games. And we know how to make fun games. So tying everything together, I think this separate initiative of Objective Ed can help an awful lot of people. This sounds like a huge endeavor. Are you programming it all by yourself or you have some help? Oh, well, we, we don't want me programming in this one. I mean, blindfold games I can program in. It's, you know, I can put together the games, but it's, it's really my efforts doing it. And as long as it's small and contained, I can do it. But in the new company, since we have to be on so many platforms and we have to do a, an extraordinarily professional job and everything has to be perfect, we've actually hired a team of three engineers already and we'll continue to expand that and We're starting to work with some TVIs and professors of studies in visual impairment to make sure that everything we do is as perfect as it can be. So besides the scale of this, this sounds like a very different development process than you've traditionally followed in terms of you have to first get input as to what skills we try to teach. How do we best teach that? How do we implement that in a game? Do you have educators sitting down in a sort of a room and saying, here's what we ought to do, and then the engineers interacting? How, how does this all work? So what we've done is we're pairing up our engineers with TVIs and O&Ms around the country so they can develop a collaboration on the game. So we're modeling the first game after the Blindfold Barnyard game, which is used an awful lot that I mentioned earlier, and then now having the game play out differently based on what goals and objectives would be used for the child, whether it's simply learning the concept of left and right or laterality or uh, listening skills, or following directions, or any number, or fine motor control, or sonification. So all those will be different objectives that one might find on the IEP, and then the game play will be slightly different based on what objectives. Just like every other blindfold game, as you continue the game, it gets harder and harder and harder, but based on what objectives the teacher has for the child, the game play might be a little different. It sounds like this is an initiative that is really in its infancy right now. When do you expect the first games to start rolling out? We want to have the first game ready in early winter. Mm -hmm. So January, February time frame. Well, that sounds exciting. And how many games do you have planned? Are you starting with one or do you have like a family of games planned to launch initially? We want to get at least two or three out to really prove out the idea and start having some of the schools for the blind use these games and actually test the efficacy of the game to make sure we're actually hitting the goals we want. The other thing I think is kind of neat here, it sounds like you're actually saving the child's score in the cloud. I assume the teacher is privy to this information so they can follow the progress of the student? It's not just the score, but it might be things like how quickly is the child making the decision of left versus right, or how often when they have to do left versus right, are they doing it correctly versus incorrectly? 
So yes, it'll have the score and that's useful, but how many minutes a day is a child playing? How, ma how many times are they able to get to use the concept that they're trying to master and have they mastered it? What percentage of the time have they mastered it? So that, those are the things we're looking at, things that teachers can actually use to determine how well the child's progressing. Wow, sounds like a really great effort. That really sounds like a useful tool. We hope so. We hope so. Some people who aren't students between kindergarten and 12th grade might ask, what will be the impact on blindfold games in the future? Blindfold games continue to produce entertainment games. They might come out more slowly than before because I have a lot more work on my plate. But, you know, you can still count on games coming through. People don't have to worry about that. It must still be a fair amount of work with 80 games out there. And as you say, sometimes Apple changes something in the OS and all of a sudden you have to go back and redo a number of the games. That must be a lot of overhead. Yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just hate redoing things like that when you got it working perfectly? Yeah, usually it's just like one change you have to make and you just have to make it to 80 games and then resubmit those 80 games. So for example, in the most recent version when you submit to the App Store, and this doesn't affect the game, but it affects every time I do an up to a game. I have to include the website address of the privacy statement of blindfold games. So that means every time I touch any game and do any sort of update to it, I have to go back into the uh, Apple website where the games are described and how I do a submission and add the privacy URL to that website. Oh, <laughs> so a lot of these changes you're making to the games, they're just bookkeeping and buried in the metadata and the players will never even notice it. Yeah. And then other times, you know, Apple will break something and then I have to figure out a way around it. Like I remember between iOS seven and eight, they broke. If you shut off a voiceover in the game screen, it doesn't necessarily come back on when you go back to the main menu. And I had to figure out a way around that and a workaround. And then, you know, one by one, I had to hit each and every game that did that. You know, it reminds me of all the updates we see to many of our PC operating systems and programs. And as Nancy points out, an update isn't always an improvement. Yes, yes. And a lot of times Apple will break something in accessibility and then it takes like three months and a new iOS release before it's repaired. And hopefully they don't break a second. That can be a real headache for developers. Yeah. So what else is on the horizon that people might look forward to in either initiative, blindfold, games, or in this objective ed? Like I said, we're, we're finishing up a pet care game where you have to take care of a dog and feed the dog and walk the dog and take the dog to the vet from time to time. And that's been a lot of fun for a lot of people. And I've gotten some great suggestions on it. We're working on a bobsled game where you race your bobsled down a track and then I have a bunch of other ideas that are spinning around in my head for the future. You must be a very creative and hardworking person. No, people just give me good ideas. <laughs> well, good luck with your objective ed project. It sounds like this should be well-received by folks in the educational arena. We hope so. We hope so. Now for this week's final item, how you can learn more about blindfold games and objective ed, how you can get hold of the games, how you can reach Marty, and how you can even get involved helping him out with his new endeavor. 
So Marty, if people would like to find out more about Blindfold Games or your new initiative, where would you send them? For Blindfold Games, they should visit blindfoldgames.org. And we have posts on there that talk a little about the new company, Objective Ed. We will start blogging off of the new company, Objective Ed, soon. But right now, they should visit blindfoldgames.org. If they want to reach me, they can follow me either on Twitter, which is at blindfoldgames, or they can send me an email, which is marty at blindfoldgames.org. And if they want to actually get the games, they go to the App Store, right? It's actually easier for them to visit blindfoldgames.org. And then I have a page called... Uh, games we've built and then there's is like a two-line description of each and every game with a pointer directly to the app store so instead of them having to kind of guess what any given game does from the its name they could get a little more detail on the website and then if they want that game they just there's a, cl- a click they or a tap they would do on their iphone and would take them right to download the game at the app store oh that sounds like a lot more efficient way of sorting through 80 games to figure out which one you might like Exactly. Let me tell you, before this interview, I went to the App Store on my phone and I just typed in Blindfold Games and I got links to all sorts of different games and it was going to be, I didn't actually download them all, but it was going to be really easy to get them that way too. So if you say the other way is even easier, that that's got to be incredibly easy. Yeah. So that's what we aim for. Yes. The other place that I would send people is to the AppleViz.com website, which is a website for people who are visually impaired who use Apple products, either the iOS devices or Mac devices or even Apple TV, Apple Watches. But there's always discussions there about the various blindfold games, what's new, what people are having issues with, what people enjoy. Are there other forums like that that specifically are geared towards blindfold games that you can point people to? There have been some forums like um, I know people will post things on audiogames.net and some of the other ones, but I would say AppleViz is the primary place where people go. Now, also, if people are interested in finding out more about Objective Ed and this new project of yours, where would they go for that? They would visit ObjectiveEd.com. That's the word objective followed by the two letters ed.com. Great. Now, Shortly after we conducted the interview, but prior to airing the episode, Marty posted on Facebook that he is looking for people to test his new games in particular for Objective Ed. And so he's looking for students to be testers, for parents of visually impaired children to give their feedback on what they think of the game, for teachers of the visually impaired. So if you're interested in participating that way to help him make these games even better, contact him directly. And as usual, we'll have all that contact information and the URLs Marty mentioned in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And remember, if you want to discuss anything you've heard on the show with other listeners and share your thoughts, join our discussion group. That'll also be in the show notes. That's it for show number 1851. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be doing our year-end special, including updates on topics that we have covered over the last several years. And we will talk about NASA summer internships, what's new at Benetech, the FlickType keyboard for iOS, 
the Braille dot watch, the Cosmo e-brailler, and an update on Eric Manser's triathlon and marathon experiences. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.